0: Hello welcome to Ona Ross and Carrie the show where we don't just report on fringe science spirituality and claims of the paranormal take part ourselves.
1: Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross watcher And
0: I'm Carrie Poppy and we don't remember how to do this.
1: Yeah, it's been a while. Well, we're glad to be back. I just came back from a week at Camp Quest.
0: Yes, where Ca- you counselor
1: with my son. Next year, he'll be so old that he'll have to be a counselor if he wants to come back. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah, crazy? he'll be 18. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Wild. And
1: that little girl. Scarlet. Scarlett, you remember. Very uh-huh. good. Who uh, had accused me before of not being Carrie Poppy, <laughs> this time kept calling me fake Carrie Poppy. <laughs> So here i had gone to all of this effort for us not to name swap, and still I'm back to square (laughs) one. So you know what? You can be Ross Blatcher anytime you want.
0: Oh, thank you. If
1: I'm going to be fake Carrie I do,
0: though, appreciate her protecting my personal brand. Yeah.
1: (laughs) She's got your back.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's important. Trademark infringement and all that.
1: Yeah, it was a great week, but we're back, and we need to tell you the story of a lovely lady who was living-
0: Bringing up three very lovely girls-
1: all of them had hair of gold,
0: like their mother,
1: the youngest one in curls.
0: Here's the story of a man named Brady, who was busy with three boys of his own. They were four
1: men living all together, but they were all alone. <laughs> so Till one day when this lady <laughs> met this fellow, and they knew that it was much more than a hunch that this group, group might somehow
2: form a family. That's, That's the, the way, way they all became, became the Brady, Brady
1: Bunch, Bunch. The Brady Bunch. <laughs> I'm surprised cool. the... I'm we supposed. know that. I remember apparently. it even that well. Yeah, if you can call it well.
0: No, that was good. That was good. That was great. Uh, but wait, before <laughs> you tell me the story, you are going to tell me which is about the second flat Earth test. Yes. I just want to say your birthday's coming up.
1: It is this weekend,
0: August six. Oh well,
1: yeah, okay, Monday. So it's Monday.
0: Yeah, and I'm doing something for you for your birthday this weekend, and you have no idea what it is. I
1: have zero idea. Yeah. And you told Kara, right? Yes. Okay. Your wife Kara. So she knows, but she's let nothing on. So oh, good. Zero idea what i'm doing this weekend
0: yeah well uh, everyone should guess all right make their own private guess put it in an envelope put it under their pillow
1: will she warn me of anything i need to be prepared with
0: uh no
1: will you warn me of anything yes okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) well when i come to get you i'm gonna tell you a couple things but um should i
1: pack an overnight bag you can
0: pack an overnight bag all right but for you know typical weather where we are right now.
1: Well, thank you in advance. You're welcome. I hope you like it. I
0: think you will. Okay. Yeah. All right.
1: I'm excited. So last time you heard from us, we were talking to Jaron Campanella.
0: Yes. Y'all loved it. You said, boy, that was easy to listen to. I had a really good time.
1: (laughs) Got a lot of response. It it was a different type of conversation, though, than we had with Mark Sargent, Mm -hmm. which I appreciated. And uh, we left on a bit of a cliffhanger because we were talking to Jaron on a Tuesday, June 26th. Mm -hmm. And that very Thursday, June 28th, there was going to be a return trip to the Salton Sea.
0: Yes. And I was like, I'm going. I'm definitely going. And then for reasons we'll get into later, I ended up spending all that time with yours and my lawyer.
1: Yeah. This is a very interesting story that we will tell you about in the future. We
0: promise. We promise. (laughs) It's a good thing our lawyer is the best person.
1: So Carrie was sticking around to fight those fights while I ended up racing off to the Salton Sea. So a little bit of setup. We told you about the IIG's test at the Salton Sea, and we were roundly criticized. Oh, why did you go to the Salton Sea? You heard Jaren saying, oh, it's the hottest place. And then the Flat Earthers said, you know, we're going to do this right at the Salton Salton Sea. Let's go back. Wait, (laughs) wait, hold hold on. I thought you just said this was not a good way to test the curvature or flatness of the Earth. But okay.
0: So one of their contentions was it's so hot that there's going to be vapor, and the vapor is going to kind of obscure your ability to see the flatness.
1: Yeah, yeah, distort the image. And that's fair on a level because, yeah, there is distortion that comes over water when Mm -hmm. it heats up. And we had tried to do our test as early as we could, and things were delayed. So uh, by all means, let's do it when it's cooler. So they wanted to go back and do it in the middle of the night and show us how to properly run a test. So
0: The middle of the night is a very funny time to yeah. do a test that relies on sight.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a problem because, yeah, you can't really just pull out your cameras and shoot good mm-hmm. footage of this because it's nighttime.
0: Yeah, I'm not a scientist, but night
1: is dark. <laughs> And yeah, this was the middle of the work week. And so I had to be back for a presentation early on Friday morning. And here I am, Thursday night, driving off with Jim Newman. Our, our uh, friends from Jim the Newman. Amazing Facts Investigation. Love that guy. And Spencer Marks, who you also may remember Love from our Raylian Investigation, also both members of the IIG. So we wanted to make sure that we were there to support them, to contribute our observations and, and be part of this test that they were running and let them run it. So this was all organized in advance through the meetup group. They had recruited quite a few people, but a lot had to drop out at the last minute. So it ended up being seven... Flat Earthers, and Jim Spencer and myself. Oh, wow. Who were there. So you had 10 people. Seven on three. There had been rumors about Mark Sargent coming back, and apparently there were supposed to be at least twice as many people, but a lot had to back out because, mm-hmm. you know, some people have day jobs.
0: Yeah, but not you.
1: <laughs> not me. <laughs> or at least I'll spend all night at the Salton Sea. Yeah, pretty much I left work Early that day, Uh got straight in Jim Newman's car. Thankfully, he drove. Really appreciate that. Went out to the Salton Sea. By the time I came back, it was pretty much just time for me to get ready at home and then go back to work.
0: Oh, my God. That's hideous. You have to sleep. I
1: feel like I never really left work. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) You got to go to sleep. Sleep is good. So you had three believers in the globe earth, three globe heads, if you will. Globe heads, yes. That's us. And seven flat earthers. Did you have anybody who was sort of agnostic about the shape of the Earth?
1: No, though I'd say you had varying degrees of certainty and ideas about just how the world was fought. Probably seven different ideas, at least. Yeah, so we got there around 8.30 and it Mm -hmm. was already starting to get dim and Mm -hmm. met on the same side of the sea that we had raised our balloons on the previous time. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of a a diagonal line, a forward slash, if you will.
0: Oh, like if the little man is falling forward? Uh (laughs) If you're looking- Where, forward if you read left to right.
1: Right, and if you are at a bird's eye view above the Salton Sea looking down with north being up, Mm -hmm. there is a forward slash that connects the two observing points that we used before. One is in the southwest okay, and one is in the northeast.
0: Northeast. Got it. Ooh, boy. So, So
1: we started on that southwest corner where uh-huh. before the IIG test had raised balloons. That's where we all met up. I had never been to that location the first time around, so it was kind of cool to see the sight of all that action, aside from the photos that had been taken. So people were still showing up as we got there, but we saw Nathan, who was really running all of this, not to be confused with Nathan Thompson, a fairly prominent flat earther who had been there for the previous Sultan Sea investigation. Or
0: Nathan Fielder, who got really good grades at Canada's top business school.
1: <laughs> No, not that Nathan either. So this was the other Nathan. We'll call him Bearded Nathan because he has a great beard going on. And he was there with a couple of kids. I don't know if they were his children or maybe the niece and nephew, mm. uh, but they were hanging around trying to find things to keep themselves interested while watching all of this crazy stuff happen amongst the adults. Cool. We gathered for a bit. We started shining our lasers just to get a feel for them. I had this immensely powerful laser that I have demonstrated for you.
0: Yeah, that could blind somebody.
1: Oh, easily. You do not want to be in the path of this laser. So showed it off for a bit. Kids wanted to hold it. We we're all like, no, don't do that. That's can,
0: dangerous. You, can you just buy that?
1: No, you can't okay. have these shipped to America anymore. Whoa. It used to be able to buy ones like this at Wicked Lasers. Uh huh. Dot com, I think it is. Yeah, unfortunately now U.S. Canada, you can't even ship them. But I have a friend also named Nathan. Very confusing. Oh, wow. Too, too many Nathans in the story. Synchronicity, right? Hey, whoa. And he lent me this for actually the the flat Earth test. and I took it to camp, and everyone was like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" So this is a fun show off laser.
0: You got that laser from Nathan for you. <laughs>
1: correct thank you but i I do need to
0: i really had to work on that to make it happen no
1: that's great carrie bought me the first season of nathan for you
0: it's so good it's a very funny comedy show show on tv
1: i don't know about that but it's a good show
0: it's the best show on tv now okay (laughs) i mean i know what you're thinking the mary tyler moore show is the best show that was ever made but that's over
1: we're just so in sync so we were testing out our various lasers and i thought oh yeah this one's going to be great for what we're doing but a it has a very wide divergence the laser gets very fat very Mm -hmm. quick Mm -hmm. and also it doesn't have the greatest battery life so it was already Mm. starting to sputter out after maybe 10 minutes of use or something so Mm. we had some other lasers which are more your standard yeah so this green one's less than five milliwatt
0: but even that someone shined one of those at me from across the gym once and it hurts your fucking eyes if you look at it oh
1: absolutely Mm -hmm. nothing like this other crazy blue laser Wild. So then we talked a little bit about protocol and uh, we hung out for a while, met some of the people, hung out, had conversations. There was this one guy who had been there at the previous test, Josh Walker, and he's an Uber driver. Mm. Everyone calls him Uber Josh.
0: Okay. And Fun.
1: I guess he gets people in his car and he starts telling them about how the earth is flat.
0: Oh, my God. Can you imagine?
1: Yeah. One time
0: I got in, the, in a car with a Lyft driver who was a Scientologist.
1: Oh, wow. Interesting. Yep. And how did you know they were Scientologists?
0: He brought it up.
1: <laughs> Which reminds me of that how do you know there's a Navy pilot at your party?
0: They start talking about it. He'll tell you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I got in this car. Sorry, I know this isn't what we're talking about, but I got in this car. Yeah, yeah. And the guy, I think he started to engage me on Donald Trump, if I remember correctly. And it might have been... Oh geez! Right after the election, I'm not sure. But he was like, what do you think of that? And I said, oh, not good. Or something vague like that. And he said, I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't talk about that. I shouldn't talk about controversial things. I should talk about Scientology. (laughs) And I was like... Oh, that's the lead in? Yeah, and I was like, (laughs) oh, I'll absolutely talk to you about Scientology. That is no problem. You know, I went undercover in the Church of Scientology. (laughs) Good (laughs) for (laughs) you. And he was like... Oh.
1: You probably uh, shouldn't be speaking to me right now. Well,
0: I know I didn't know that he was Scientologist yet. I thought we were just talking about Scientology. (laughs) And then he goes, I'm Scientologist. And I chuckle, ha, ha, ha. And he's like, no, I'm... Scientologist. But it turned out he was an independent Scientologist who, oh, you know, wow. the, those people, they like still question the church as it stands today. Best
1: lift ride ever.
0: Oh, it was wild. The thing that we disagreed on, though, was L. Ron Hubbard. He still thinks Elron Ron Hubbard is the best, and I don't. Anyway, you were saying about the Earth.
1: He does the same thing, but with Flat Earth. He was very proud of having captured this one baseball player who's a prominent shortstop or something. He keeps telling that story. Anyways. Captured him? In his car.
0: Oh, 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 got it.
1: I just think capturing in terms of telling someone about flat earth when they're in your back seat.
0: Stuck there, got it. And
1: they can't tuck and roll and jump out of your car. (laughs) Anyway, he had been listening to our podcasts. Oh, okay. And by way of greeting, he said to me, you know, you can be a real dick sometimes. That's the
0: first thing he said to you?
1: It was early in the conversation. Okay, He said, but, you know, I kind of admire that, that you're so open with your opinion. Okay. Oh, all right. (laughs) Thanks.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much. Then
1: he proceeded to, the rest of the evening, play our podcast on some kind of weird playlist with other things. It would cut back every now and then. (laughs) But he would be playing our podcast about the other salt and sea experiment and about other Flat Earth Investigations out loud on his phone and he would just leave it out on a surface and then walk away or he'd carry it around with him. And so I'm having conversations what with people fuck? and I'm hearing my own voice in the background. <laughs> and then I'm hearing you.
0: And then just like a song in between.
1: Other flat earth coverage.
0: Oh okay and
1: so it was all stuff about flat earth but then it wouldn't be our show but then it would be back to our show. It's like what is this and why are you doing like and
0: are you trying to make a point point? and if so what point
1: because he walks away for a while well you can't be hearing it anymore so you're not <laughs> listening to it why are you doing this now <laughs> what is this it was just the, the weirdest most disorienting thing trying to have conversations so
2: strange. but hearing
1: our voices in the background and kind of wanting to track okay wait what are we talking about what is this which episode is that strangest thing
0: that's one of the most fun things, though, is, for me at least. Just when someone like thinks they're getting you, but in a way that just doesn't make sense. I'm hoping that's what was going Maybe. on. Maybe.
1: Yeah, if he was going for some kind of psychological effect, I don't know what it would have been. <laughs>
0: Annoyance.
1: <laughs> I guess so. This is strange. <laughs>
0: Achieved!
1: I recorded a little bit of audio while talking to him while I could clearly hear us talking <laughs> behind our conversation. No, I could estimate, but I don't know how far under the ground it goes, and when you estimate, the reason reason why you can estimate is because you've seen rocks similar to that size, you have an idea of how much a rock should weigh, right? Yeah. You have a reference point. Yes. So, if that was the first time you'd seen that rock. As a location, I just yeah. Would there be any you know way at all I would suggest you that I would you could tell that the mass like without okay, actually going over, sure. yeah, picking it up, just weighing it, weighing it? Yeah, show. I would play and a few different simulation games you know, in my mind to think of a rock that I know the size of and the mass of, and then well, that's would that's what I'm try saying, to expand. I've never seen a rock now, though. So, you have nothing to relate it to. Okay, okay, This is the strangest thing.
0: What's his name? I want to say hi to him.
1: Josh Walker.
0: Hi, Josh Walker.
1: Yeah, there will be more about him later. Okay. There was also a young man named Steven. He had been at the previous test, and he is a very quiet person, and he had been hanging out with Aaron. I couldn't think of his name before. Aaron was the very loud guy who kept talking about interferometers Okay. And oh, I'm the physics guy and you'd met him before, the really tall, oh, okay. kind of militaristic yeah. guy. So he by way of greeting came up to me and said, "Hey, I just want to let you know like I didn't like the way he was talking to you before and I don't approve of oh, that." It's nice. like, "Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that." And that previous time he would just throw in little soft philosophical questions about, oh, "What is truth?" and "How can we know things?" And maybe those weren't the exact ones, but there would be those sort of definitional questions. Mm-hmm. So this time he kept pulling me aside to have little mini interviews and he would be shooting footage on his Nikon p900 camera okay he had one of those extreme zoom lens cameras like i bought
0: the ones that restore the ships on the horizon
1: right Mm -hmm. but this is dark he's not filming anything but he wants to record because he says it gets pretty good audio so we'd stand roughly behind the nikon p900 and have a conversation and then he'd want to be telling me about his ability to predict weather patterns
0: his personal ability
1: yes so he's worked out this whole system where by tracking carefully the movements of the sun and the moon, and then predicting their electrostatic interactions with the planet,
0: uh-huh.
2: he
1: can predict what the weather is going to be like to a high degree of accuracy.
0: How far in advance can he do it?
1: A- apparently days in advance. Because
0: I can do that too on my iPhone.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how far he was claiming, but... He mentioned his YouTube channel and I went to it, and it was just many long videos Mm -hmm. pointed at the sky with him talking about the electrostatic interactions of the sun and the moon. (laughs) Yeah, I I wasn't sure where he was going with that, but I hope he makes some kind of useful interview out of our discussion. All right, cool. But he was thoroughly pleasant, at least. It's just, I kept wondering, where is this going? You're right, right, right. What's this for? What is this for? I don't know, but happy to have the conversation. So it was time to head out to the other side to start doing our laser test, because that was going to be their first of many tests. Jim Newman stayed where we'd arrived to keep an eye on this side so we could talk to him on the phone. And also, he had brought this telescoping pole that went up about 23 feet, and we had placed a light on the end of it that was about 500 lumens, very bright light that my son Andrew had.
0: Oh, Andrew was with you. That's nice.
1: He wasn't. He just let us borrow his bright LED light. Oh, I see. Okay. And so we attached that. And so we thought, okay, well, 23 feet up, if Earth is flat, we should be able to see that. Even though at this distance, we'd gone to a different location on the other side, but our distance was still approximately 9.6 miles across the Salton Sea. Okay. So at that distance from a viewing height of four feet, just to remind you from the previous investigation, from a viewing height of four feet- an object on the other side that's about 35 feet tall should be obscured by the curvature of the Earth. Okay. If that whole theory is correct.
0: The curving thing?
1: Yeah. Got it. Which means that his light would be hidden at the end of this 23-foot telescoping pole, but maybe not if he gets up on the berm. So we figured we'd use that to help sort of locate this site. Uh, so we drove over to the other side, Spencer and I in one car, and then we followed two guys from the flatter side, Wendell and Alex. It took about half an hour just to get to the other side. So we got there pretty close to 10 o'clock at night. Dark. Yeah, definitely. Now it's nighttime. So we get to the other side, and we're looking back for the other people. And it was very easy to spot them because even using these tiny little lasers like you'd use in a classroom or for astronomy, uh, you could see them shining across the water. We were very quickly able to identify where they were and where we were supposed to be looking. Cool. And to their credit, they had two identical lasers, same model, same brand and everything, which is a great idea. And so they set them up on opposite sides of the water and just hand-holding these lasers from the opposite side, they could... Now picture you're 10 miles away from me, Carrie, mm-hmm. or 9.6 okay. 9. miles away from okay. me, if you want to be precise. Ta-da! Now, picture I'm way, way over here, and I've got just a handheld laser, and I can point it and shoot straight in your eye. Yes. That's pretty good aim on my part, right? Yes. Well, that's what was happening very quickly. (laughs) So we were seeing this laser barrel shoot straight out, and it just looks like you you see the light kind of searching around, arcing up, but then it looks like, boom, it's hitting you right in the eyes. And we went, whoa, okay, what's the height on the other side? Because we're just standing 9.6 9.6 miles away, and we're seeing this laser shine mm-hmm. in our eyes. And Jim Newman confirmed, yep, they're just standing, normal height. And even when they'd get down pretty close to the water, they could hit us in the face with this laser.
0: And so you had been thinking this should be obscured.
1: Yeah. Okay. okay. So, the, so the Earth's flat? Yep. So we went home, right. and the Earth is That's flat.
0: That's it for our show.
1: <laughs> our theme music. Is, uh, so... Yeah, I got to say, I was pretty gobsmacked. Yeah. Wow, I was not expecting to have this laser look like it's hitting me straight in the eye across the water because you should have approximately like, you know, curve of 17 feet essentially Mm -hmm. in the way blocking it. So Now
0: you're going to do your special pleading and explain why this was a bad test.
1: That's exactly what I'm going to do. But... I've got to say, this is the most compelling evidence I have seen for flat Earth.
2: Yeah, okay. I, c-
1: I can totally see why someone looking at this would say, oh yeah, there you go. Guy standing over there hits me with the laser. So first problem is we never were able to make contact with Jim Newman's bright light on his telescoping pole. So The
0: one 23 feet up?
1: Yeah. So oh. we couldn't see that, but huh. we could see this laser.
0: That's lower?
1: Yes. Strange? Yeah, that should... That's
0: confusing. Yeah,
1: that's a little bit of a head scratcher. Okay. And this is a fairly low-powered laser. Yeah. So the first thing I did, just to try to deconstruct what was going on here a bit, was to walk 100 feet away, approximately, again, measured by just me taking steps, have the people on our side shine their laser toward a chair I was holding. And they shone it towards my pants, which worked just as well. And I could see that already a beam that was coming out of the laser looking about a millimeter thick was already about four to five inches in diameter by the time it hit my pant leg. Oh, wow. So I demonstrated this for them, and they said, Oh, yeah, okay. So then did a little bit of quick math to extrapolate and said, Okay, well, we should expect by the time a light leaving this side of the lake hits the opposite side, because we were also shining the laser back at them, they were getting the exact same effect we were. We should expect that by the time it hits the opposite shore, the cone would have widened to somewhere between 150 to 200 feet. In oh, diameter. shit. Yeah, right. Distance does that. You know, even a small yeah. divergence will yeah. multiply quite a bit. So that was my uh, quick back of the napkin calculation.
0: Sorry if this sounds like second guessing. Why do you think no one thought of that before the test?
1: Oh, we definitely were talking about oh, that. Oh, you were? Okay. I don't know if they were, but okay. yeah, we, we definitely knew there would be divergence. And that's one of the problems with doing any kind of laser test, right. especially during the daylight because it just fades out so quickly. Mm-hmm. So. Then we had them lock it down on the other side, and I was already pointing out to them, you know, just think of the fact that they can hit us with a handheld laser from the opposite side. Mm -hmm. That's such a huge diameter, the sphere extending out from 9.6 miles away, that you could hit someone with a handheld laser tells us that it's a pretty big cone. So we had them lock it down on a tripod and then we would just walk across the shore and look to see how long we were staring down the barrel, so to speak. So it turns out the the laser pointing at us that cone is pretty darn close to 200 feet wide. Wow. And the central cone where it feels like, oh, wow, it's looking at me, Mm -hmm. is about 30 to 35 feet wide. Okay. So the way I'm figuring it is that the laser has to be pointed ever so slightly upward Mm -hmm. to crest the curvature of the Earth. Yeah. But it's hitting plenty of air molecules along the way and...
0: Yeah.
1: Bending to create a focus that that looks like it's coming straight at you. But yeah, we were in the position of having to make excuses. Mm -hmm. And at first, Wendell was listening to all of these careful explanations that I was trying to put together. And uh, okay, okay. And when later on, he explained it, when we got back on the other side, when he explained it to people... I got to say, he did a great job of steel-manning my argument, presenting the best version of it, and mm-hmm. it was something that I could totally agree with coming out of his mouth.
0: And now, sorry, is Wendell a flat earther or a round earther? A flat
1: earther. Okay. Yeah. And he, Good for him. So he listened carefully, and he was able to repeat my argument to others later. I think he was talking to Jaron on the phone, because mm-hmm. Jaron was uh, not there, but he was, I think, monitoring from afar. But Alex, who was with him, he also listened a bit patiently, but then he would immediately go into that mode that we saw from Jaron, which is, ah, so that thing that's happening in your mind now. Oh, no. That's you making excuses.
0: Oh, my gosh. Like,
1: oh, okay.
0: I was just thinking about that the other day. And, like, that is true that, I mean, we're so capable of justification and it's it's worth asking sure. yourself if you're doing that. Yeah. But it is also worth pausing to consider your beliefs i don't know it it doesn't seem like a good precedent to get mad at people for taking a pause and reflecting
1: oh sure (laughs) and And seeing how they can explain it within their model
0: yeah yeah but also just like i want to invite people to have thoughtful moments of reflection not like jump on them for being silent for five seconds that just seems like a route i never want to go down
1: and not all flat earthers will do that but enough of them will Yeah, it was he, he would get very combative very quickly. We'd talk for a bit and then he'd be back to being nice. And then, oh, I found one point and I can get into combat again. We ended up having another long conversation over on that other side. It was just the four of us, Spencer, myself, Alex and Wendell. We had another conversation about the Mandela effect.
0: Oh, cool. That
1: came up again. Alex was saying. Alex was a younger fella, and Wendell was a gentleman maybe in his 40s, I would say. Mm -hmm. And uh, Alex probably in his 20s. And he was saying, well, do you know about the Mandela effect? And so I kind of described the Mandela effect how we would. you understand it. Right, which is, oh, yeah, sometimes we misremember things, and then we insist that we were right. Our memories were correct, but it just turns out we... Remembered incorrectly, mm-hmm. and he said, "No, that's not it at all." <laughs> and then he proceeded to tell me kind of the same thing that Sydney had mentioned before. So he was giving me these stories, and again, what's the simpler explanation here? That everything got changed,
0: right? And and, and, and your memory's perfect, but the rest of the world is wrong.
1: Yeah, the only thing that didn't get changed was your memory, right? And so. I was telling him the story, which I think I mentioned before, with Spencer and the mechanic, yeah. that film where he'd mm-hmm. remembered that line. So we were telling him that story, and before I'd gotten to the punchline, mentioning that it was the Mandela effect, Wendell jumped in he said, I remember that movie, I remember that line. Ah. And we're like, okay, well, here's a good example. <laughs> you know, there's this suggestion, and we very quickly just rewrote your memory, so now you remember that line being said, but it's not in there. Uh, so yeah, it was a long and fruitless conversation. <laughs>
0: You know, I was just thinking a really shitty but funny thing you could do while someone's explaining the Mandela effect to you is if they were like, well, okay, it's where there's a different timeline and the two timelines intersect and then you could be like, no, you just said it's when, you're, when your memories fall to you. <laughs> You just said that. Do you not remember saying that? Oh, I guess it was a different you.
1: I got to say, my mind was going that direction, too. It's, it's almost begging for you to say, no, no, you just told me yeah, you just that the said earth that. is curved. Was you that... don't believe that anymore?
0: Huh. <laughs> that would be very funny. We had a lot but of back. mm shitty.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We had a lot of back and forth about a lot of things. But then we finally decided, okay, well, we've had our great demonstration, let's go back and prepare for the next set of tests. And so Mm -hmm. we drove back half an hour again, got back to the other side.
0: Now it's what, midnight-ish?
1: Yep, we were back about midnight. Okay. Okay, so they were all pretty exultant at this point. Uh, You know, hey, hey, we win. We've demonstrated the flatness of the Earth. But they wanted to do another bevy of tests. And I got to hand it to Nathan. He had brought a bunch of equipment with him. He had a digital anemometer, like measuring wind speed. So he had me holding that up and reporting wind speeds at different heights. So he'd get kind of an average. And he's putting that on his iPad in a Excel doc. And then he is taking a temperature of the water with a little temperature gun like we used on our ghost investigation. Mm -hmm. You know, he's trying to gather all these environmental variables that we can use to compare, and he's got little time slots all across the spreadsheet. So I thought, ah, good for you. You're gathering a lot of relevant data. So their next idea was that they were going to have a couple things for us to observe from the other side. And one was a structure that was built out of wood, and like a giant ladder, Mm. Essentially a 35 foot tall ladder. And so it had big signs every five feet that said 5, 10, 15, 20, 25. And then they were going to attach glow sticks to the side of it and they had it painted so that these signs would show up. And then they were going to get a time lapse video from the opposite side showing the water level rising and falling throughout the day as the sun came up. Okay. Interesting idea. Very cool. And the idea would be to get that time lapse with the Nikon P900. I'll show you a picture of this thing.
0: And why do we want to see the water go up and down?
1: Because in their minds, what we saw at the previous test was all atmospheric phenomena. So right. I think okay. if they can show just the water appearing to fluctuate just based on temperature changes, okay, that shows a weakness in our own test.
0: Okay. Could explain some noise in the data. Right. Oh wow.
1: Carrie's looking at this wooden structure.
0: Wow, yeah. It's a ladder on the ground. It's huge and it's got kind of looks like a thermometer. Is that what you said? Like it's it's got Yeah, gray dated. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. And if I had to describe it, it would look kind of like a popsicle stick structure, but a huge version of that.
0: Or like the big thermometer in Baker. Is that where it is? Baker, Nevada.
1: Something oh, yeah, like yeah. And so Spencer took one look at that and said, that's never going to stand.
0: Oh, right.
1: <laughs> and Jim said, mm, no, it's not. Yeah, and yeah, said, yeah. I don't know it Yeah, No, you're right. It won't. <laughs> but poor Wendell spent hours driving screws into this thing and building these support structures and he'd carried it all out in this trailer and we were for the most part staying out of the way but whenever we could be helpful we tried to jump in and and help bolt things or do whatever we could but you know wanted to let them run their own experiment
0: were these all men by the way
1: no we had a couple ladies who shown up i can't remember if they were there before we left for the other side the first time but yes there was caroline and sydney Oh,
0: our old friend, Sydney.
1: Sydney was back. Oh, good. And I don't want to say I was avoiding her because I don't want to cop to avoiding anybody, but I was. I was avoiding her. <laughs> I, whenever she would be somewhere, I would just kind of find some excuse to be elsewhere because uh-huh. I just didn't really want to interact with her again. Yeah. Felt mm-hmm. I'd had enough Sydney for one sure. lifetime. Uh-huh. And uh, that, that didn't last throughout the night. But yeah, it was a long time before I had any direct conversation with Sydney, one of the first times I think that I interacted with her was I I was curious as we were getting set up and waiting for this structure to come about. I was just asking a few people, so what do you think the moon is? Because it was a nice, beautiful night and -hmm. the moon was coming up Shining brightly, waxing gibbous, or it was almost full.
0: Waxing gibbous. Or maybe My it was waning gibbous. gibbous.
1: <laughs> it's good gibbous. And so I, I was just curious. Well, do you see it as a physical object? Do you see it as a projection? Mm-hmm. Is it on a screen? Just how would you describe it? What is it? And the answer Is
0: ant- it its own light source? Is it reflecting a light source?
1: Right. And I, I think the first one I asked was Josh, and he was pointing to a rock. Near us and said, "Well, tell me the exact mass of that rock." Uh I don't know. Said, "Well, see, how could the scientists then know the mass of the moon? They tried, so it was sort of this diversion." My question to say, right? The scientists they can't know anything about the mass or the substance of the moon, and so the the answer was essentially, "We don't know."
0: That's not a okay
1: yeah and so so that's like
0: being like what do you think blood is well when's your birthday
1: (laughs) he was trying to get me in this philosophical thing about how well they've been saying the mass of the moon long before they could possibly even know that so you know they're just making these things up so well there's reasonable assumptions you can make based on gravity how how it reflects light yeah Mm -hmm. it's apparent size and how Mm -hmm. far away we can tell it is and the tides and that wasn't going anywhere so he told me to spend some time looking up Coulomb Law, and that's about electro Ooh, yeah! electromagnetism, and so I'm uh. not sure why that was so relevant to him, but I guess he thought that was a better explanation than gravity.
0: Oh yeah, well I remember this from uh, the pizza joint people talking about electromagnetism and how it's not gravity.
1: Well I'm sure it's all true.
0: I'm sure it's all true
1: so uh, so that's how far I got with him on the moon thing. and then someone else was telling me that they thought it could be an object, and, you know, not a hundred percent sure on that. I think that was Stephen. But then Sydney just sort of jumped in on the conversation. She started telling me her thoughts on the moon. And I can't even remember what her point was. But there was something that I kind of agreed to. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, scientists would agree with that. And I I think that's well accepted. So then later on, she interrupted while someone else was talking. Because that's Sydney's thing. She waits till you're having a conversation with Mm. someone else. And then she comes in as this peripheral vision, third party, (laughs) just shouting over everybody. Because now I want to be heard and I'm saying something. And we're going to listen to me instead. And she was saying... Delightful. Well, thank you, Russ. I really appreciate that you said that I was right about the moon. No.
0: Nope.
1: <laughs> I was going to say I love that. No, I don't. I I, I can't stand it. <laughs> this <laughs> twisting of your words to say, oh, thank you for telling me I'm right. Because uh, right, right. now what do you do? You say like, well, actually, no, let's take a step back. I wasn't telling you you're right necessarily, but you did. But have you know
0: p- that, don't you?
1: <laughs> but you're just being manipulative. You're right. Uh anyways, I, I think I was also worried about interacting with her because I thought maybe she had heard the podcast.
0: Oh, uh-huh. turns
1: out she hadn't at that point. OK, but Spencer tells me that later she did. And now he says he's met the first person ever who says they don't like me.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, second, there's that one guy who thinks you're a dick.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of a dick. But he also likes that about me. That's right. Mm-hmm. OK, good. Making enemies <laughs> everywhere.
0: Melissa Scott's people don't like you. Yeah. or me.
1: Right. I thought you you were saying or you like you don't like <laughs> Also, me. I've
0: never liked you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, or the Scientologists were in the Rhodes yeah. Gallery.
0: Yeah, no, it's true.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I'm all about making friends with people and being on people's good sides. But, you know, every now yeah, and then, I, I guess. try to, too. You yeah. do anything and there's going to be people who don't like you.
0: There's going to be people. There's going to be people who don't like you. You can't please everybody. You're not a pizza.
1: So going back to Wendell's structure and the work he was doing on that, I got to say, Wendell, I, I like this guy. I like Wendell a lot. He, uh, he had made this great PDF document summing up the previous test and talking about the protocol for this one and the structure he was going to build and also how they hoped to get that time-lapse video because he gave a YouTube link. He thought that we could get a similar video to the Skunk Bay Observation. So there's this video that he linked to that shows over time throughout the day the water kind of moving up and down and light getting stretched and the opposite Mm -hmm. shore being stretched and yeah sure enough heat and light will warp things Mm -hmm. so it was a very good demonstration of that and totally fair point. Optical phenomena make this all very messy. It is not easy to see the Earth's curvature because the Earth is so big. Mm-hmm. He's working on the structure, and eventually, we do finally lift it up, walk it out. It was two oh seven in the morning.
0: Oh my God! Yeah. Were you wishing you were at home in your very comfortable sheets?
1: <laughs> yes, a matter of fact, I wasn't. But those are comfortable sheets because they're from
0: Brooklyn. <laughs>
1: great transition. Thank
0: you. And this episode is actually brought to you in part by Brooklinen, which is the fastest growing religion, no wait, the fastest growing betting brand in the world with over 20,000 five-star reviews.
1: That's a lot of stars.
0: That is over 100,000 stars.
1: They have incredible customer service and a team dedicated to helping you sleep.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Unless
1: you're out in the middle of the night at an inland sea. With a bunch of flat earthers.
0: Now I'm going to picture a bunch of like the corporate workers at Brooklyn and standing around my bed like, sleep, come on, holding <laughs> clipboards.
1: You can do, I'm thinking of, you haven't watched Rick and Morty yet, have Mm-mm. you? Okay, I'm thinking of Mr. Meeseeks. This is worth explaining. There's this blue guy, <laughs> you you hit a box, he comes out and he says, I'm Mr. Meeseeks, look at me. And then his sole reason for existence is to help you fulfill one wish. Oh, okay. So it's like a genie. Yeah, but then he gets to pop, disappears, and no longer exists. And that's Uh. what they want. They can't stand existing. So they're going to do everything they can to help you. Mr. Meeseeks is called for some quotidian thing, but then he gets co-opted by the family to do various things. So... Uh, summer wants to be more popular at school and then jerry the father wants to take strokes off his golf swing mm-hmm. and mr Meeseeks gets so frustrated he calls another mr Meeseeks, and that one calls another mr Meesicks, so then there's this whole army of mr Meesicks and every one of them is like every time he wants to talk he says i'm mr Meeseeks. look at me and then he says okay jerry shorten up your stroke and you know, keep your shoulders square and, and, and it's <laughs> you got to watch the show. I guess a, so. I keep trying to talk Carrie into this. Everyone, everyone else who listens to Rick and Morty will be like, oh, Ross is so right. Carrie's they would got to watch it. They would be standing around your bed saying,
0: Carrie, you need to keep your eyes closed and think about sheep. Well, I don't know why you won't watch Breaking Bad. You're always saying, I refuse to watch it. I'll I, never watch
1: it. I don't say that. I've you been... always
0: say, I won't watch it. I, I hate the idea of watching this show. I
1: have said no such thing. I'm I am waiting to watch it.
0: I say, Ross, I have all the Blu-rays and you say, do not lend them to me i don't want to see it i never want to see it I'm,
1: I'm just waiting till i get really sick and i can't move anywhere for a while i will binge watch <laughs> I, Breaking I'm, Bad.
0: i'm just kidding because <laughs> i just remember one time this is all a brooklyn and ad i just remember one time you and i and some other people and i can't remember who we were all here in my apartment and oh no you know what it was at the ghost thing and we were all telling you how good breaking bad is And you were like, I believe it. I want to see it. But everyone kept making the case at you anyway. No, it's so good. It's so good. So then I started being like, I don't know why you don't want to see it, Ross. And you were like, I I do. I want to see it. (laughs) Anyway, sheets don't just feel great. They look great, too, if they're from Brooklinen. They have lots of different colors, and they have lots of different materials to choose from.
1: Brooklinen.com has an exclusive offer just for our listeners.
0: Yes, you can get $20 off and free shipping when you use promo code oh no, OHNO at brooklinen.com.
1: Brooklinen is so confident that they offer a risk free 60 night satisfaction guarantee and a lifetime warranty on all of their sheets and comforters.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. And the best way to get $20 off and free shipping is to use promo code OHNO at brooklinen.com. That's B R O O K L I N E N.com. Promo code OHNO. Keep your pillow fluffed, Gary. God. <laughs> I want you watch Breaking Bad, it's so good.
1: <laughs> all right, so yes, in the middle of the night, instead of being on comfortable sheets, it, actually every now and then I had to get down on the ground and just lay down for a while and kind of oh, close my eyes. Poor God. Jim Newman, he was going to have to drive back after all of this. Ugh. So he kept looking for moments to go just lay down and close his eyes in his car oh, my so God. he could conserve some energy. Poor guy. But yeah, around 2 o'clock, we went to lift the structure, and they had guide ropes to help pull it up, and we were at various lengths along it, but it's 35 feet tall, so as you start lifting it, you have to let go of the top. Mm-hmm. We're trying to pull ropes from the other side, and everyone's trying to get underneath it, and the the thing just starts cracking and falling to oh, pieces no. before it you know gets too far off the ground. Yeah, we all felt terrible. Oh, yeah. But there was just no making that thing go up, so. <laughs> Uh is that what she said? <laughs> we had to abandon that, and they were going to go back to it later. But there was another part to the protocol, and that was to have a weather balloon. Mm-hmm. And they'd ordered the exact same weather balloon that we used for our test.
0: now there's a town two towns over that's like we saw a UFO
1: you know what I bet there was a UFO sighting this night yeah they attached it at the end of a long rope and they had a military-grade flashlight that Nathan put at the end of the rope that was sealed in at the end of the balloon, so that it was shining into the balloon, illuminating mm. it, mm-hmm. essentially. And so then that whole structure was at the end of the rope, and he had gotten helium tanks, which are very expensive. Oh wow! We learned while running the IIG test, and along the rope he had tied every ten feet. A different colored glow stick, Wow, which we didn't expect would be visible from the other side, but still great idea to visually mark it off.
0: And sorry, who did all this? Nathan. Nathan. Okay, cool. Yeah,
1: bearded wow. Nathan, who was uh, running this. So uh, we at least had that. Still there, and also you could shine, they kept mentioning this sun gun they had, oh, we've got this immensely bright light, the sun gun. I'm thinking, well, why don't we just use the sun gun? why like, you know why shouldn't we be able to see that from the other side as well? uh but then, when they finally brought out the sun gun, I mean it was a bright flashlight, but it was. About the same brightness as Andrew's LED thing, so it wasn't buying us too much. But we could also shine that at the balloon to make that more visible. So just with that one small adjustment, we drove back to the other side, another half-hour drive. So So now it's
0: like 3 a.m.
1: Yeah, and we won't have this 35-foot-tall structure to be looking at to set up the time-lapse for any of that, Uh, but at least we'll be able to look for this balloon and repeat the laser experiment. And all this time, it's been looking nice and clear. Really beautiful night. And so we thought, okay, well, let's, let's go see what happens the second time. They were also talking about running additional tests. They were going to set up different stations at the north and south of the lake. So you'd have 33 miles distance mm-hmm. and uh, a lot more uh, hidden target length on the other side and they were going to send up flares at regular intervals around like they had all these other protocol ideas we didn't end up doing those but (laughs) we went to the other side this time it was sydney caroline nathan myself spencer Jim, uh, because we wanted to leave from that side this time, we weren't going to uh, do the whole drive back. So most of us were now on this other side, but Wendell had stayed back on the opposite shore. I think Alex had as well.
0: Are you all driving over in separate cars, or like was Sydney in your car?
1: Sydney was not in the car.
0: Oh, okay, too bad.
1: Indeed. So we we get to the other side and we start repeating the laser thing, except this mm-hmm. time. We can't do that. We can't shine the laser in each other's eyes anymore. You can see the laser on the other side, but only if it's pointed upward. Mm. So you see... This laser that looks like it's, you know, part of a rock show or something. And I think there was just a little more atmospheric particulates or there had been like a very light mist that had shown up essentially. And I think that was enough to throw off the laser beams that you could no longer throw this Mm. long laser across Mm -hmm. the lake. And so we were no longer as much as we tried before we could do it instantly hit the other people in the eyes. We just couldn't repeat that anymore. Mm. And we couldn't see that balloon either. Either it just wasn't bright enough or it wasn't clearing as far as it needed to. It should have been high enough for us to see it, even with the curvature of the Earth. So I I think it was just too obscured at this point. But that was very interesting about the lasers. So that was kind of taking away from the efficacy of that earlier experiment, now that we had this, this mist kind of breaking up the laser a little faster. But as we're standing out there, the balloon breaks away. And it flies off. Oh
0: no.
2: With
1: the flashlight.
0: Oh no. So
1: I'm sure someone got a good UFO sighting. Yeah. Oh
0: my God. Are you kidding me? (laughs) This huge thing with a light shining straight down?
1: There's no good explanation for that being out there. Oh my God. And I know what it is. And there's still no good explanation. You know
0: what? I follow a bunch of UFO logging Twitter accounts. I'm going to look. What what date would this have been?
1: June 28th.
0: June 28th. The Salton Sea. What's the nearest town?
1: East Jesus. Is that true? Yeah, there's an East Jesus and a West Satan, I think, nearby. They're little artist colonies. Oh. Oh, no. So the nearest town would be Indio. Indio. nearby. Oh, Indio,
0: of course. Yeah.
1: So see if they had any, depending on where the wind blew it. uh, Yeah, see if they had any UFO sightings. Oh, my God, how
0: hilarious.
1: (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah, who would predict a weather balloon with a flashlight stuck in it.
0: Someone, I was just giving an interview recently, and someone was like, Asking me, well, what if uh, this one guy says that he saw some sort of flying structure and the light was going straight down under it? And, like, how do you explain that? And I was like, I don't know what that was. Do you think that it's more likely that aliens came here and like broke through uh, <laughs> through the atmosphere and survived the whole journey and have some sort of craft that has a light that goes straight down or that we just, we're not sure. Maybe it was a toy drone. I don't
1: know. Occam's <laughs> uh, razor.
0: Uh, yeah. he
1: will get you pretty far. So we're all sitting there. We're getting that bad news from the other side. Everybody's getting a little dispirited and tired. Uh, We're having little debates right and left. So, yeah, Sydney and Josh were sitting near me, and we were having a lot of discussions. Uh, I remember at one point I was talking about the way the laser wasn't working now and what might have happened before. And so Josh was really getting on me for the, you know, making excuses kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I said, Fair enough." well, the reason we can see the laser from here as it's shining away from us is because part of it is bouncing back off of air molecules. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to explain that concept. I said, and if you can imagine a perfect vacuum, then we wouldn't be seeing any of its path. And he said, have you ever seen a perfect vacuum? I said, well, no, not in person. He said, well, that's just a hypothetical. Then that's just your imagination. So, I'm giving you a thought experiment. Right. We can, yes,
0: it is a hypothetical. We, That's the point of
1: we, it. Yeah, we can agree on these principles. But he was like trying to get me on this for using some just abstract, completely right. unusable example. Oh, so frustrating <laughs> how the conversations get uh, thrown around. And, and it's not even just a matter when you're having these types of debates, it's not just a matter of having facts at hand, but it's also dealing with these tactics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The tactics See, now, are really what's If play. you
0: had been me, you would have stored that in your little brain and been like, I can't wait for him to bring up a hypothetical in oh, four I, to five hours. I oh. did.
1: <laughs> I, had, How you I had my carry moment. <laughs> oh, good. All right. So then uh, this gets really good. So we've we've got no balloon to look for. We've got no structure. It's in a heap on the other side. And we can't get the lasers to point at us anymore. So there's really very little we can do. But then Jim Newman points out, hey, guys. Hey guys, try this. You all see these lights on the other side on the shore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like just squat. Like <laughs> two feet, just squat. And so if you lower yourself two feet, you just see one by one all the lights <laughs> blink around. <laughs> <laughs> and then you stand up, and a whole bunch of lights reappear, Uh-oh. and it's at multiple points along the opposite shoreline. It's Seriously, it's a two-foot difference. <laughs> Squat down, and you see them, light. Oh, gone, 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 gone. these gone, grown gone. men
0: doing plies, <laughs> looking confused. Oh,
1: we were completely doing that. <laughs> and Spencer, I think, had some binoculars, and he was lending them to some people to see this. There's this crisp water line that you can see just block the lights one by one Uh, as you squat. And Uh it's water. It's water. Uh There's no other- Water
0: can't bend.
1: Water can't bend. And yet it is getting in the way of these lights, which we know are about 30, 30 to 40 feet high. Right, Which is coincidentally exactly what's predicted by the earth curvature of like how high a- (laughs) Gary <laughs> no, has those.
0: That's what you say because you've been brainwashed,
1: right? So they start looking at that, and they're doing the squat thing. Except for Josh, I notice he's just staying down on the ground. and He doesn't get up to do the squatting thing. Mm. I'm not going to fault him for that, though, based on what I found out later. But yeah, every- weak knees. No, okay. But uh, Nathan, in particular, is doing this, and he's looking at. It. He's getting so frustrated. He's saying, well, there has to be something blocking it that's in the way. We're like, yeah, the water. He's like, no, that can't be. it. It's some kind of like low-lying cloud. Well, look at it. It's like it's a clear line. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they're all talking about there must be this low-lying cloud that's mm-hmm. just perfectly getting mm-hmm. in the way somehow when you squat two feet. This... You
0: see the cloud without seeing the cloud. <laughs> right.
1: And so that's when... They start making uh, wild excuses uh-huh. uh, for why this is happening. And so Sydney is bemoaning, oh, well, see, I said we shouldn't even do this anymore. We should do a different type of test that doesn't involve optical phenomena. You know, we needed something else to show. And she starts proposing other tests that have nothing to do with what we're all doing here. And so then at one point she says, well, if you had a laser that you knew could not bend and that would perfectly hold its size and shape. And I said, well, I don't know, Sydney. That sounds like a hypothetical. Josh, you don't like. Those right, we shouldn't, we shouldn't listen to hypotheticals or thought experiments.
0: Good job,
2: yeah,
1: yeah. I had my little moment and he got very flustered at that. He's like, Okay, well, if you're gonna be a smart ass about it, like, well, what were you being before? Uh, pardon me, yeah. Anyways, uh, just to close up that Josh thing later, uh, turns out later on he ended up having to go to the hospital. Oh, gosh. Yeah, he had some sort of, I don't know, some sort of condition that's that's come up before where I don't know if he wasn't properly hydrated or he'd been out too long or something. But wh- whatever it was, it sent him to the hospital after oh, this night. Yeah, I felt terrible about all, it. Is right? Uh, he is now. He's out okay, of the hospital. Good. They had a, a little fundraiser for him. Oh, um, okay. So
0: this is public knowledge. We're not speaking y- out of class here? Yeah. Th- okay, this is
1: something they had kind of announced to the other flat earthers. But yeah, I, I felt terrible after that, that he'd been you know, suffering yeah. uh, during oh, all this. Gosh. So I'm guessing that's probably why he was staying seated. Yeah, was that yeah. he, he was starting to have problems. I think he might have even mentioned that he felt uncomfortable, uh, but I didn't realize just how serious it was. So yeah, glad to hear he's feeling better. Me too. And, um, yeah, yeah. Would have sent him home if we had known that it was... Uh, A possibility. Anyway, so we were, now it was our turn to gloat, I guess, you know, and and everybody (laughs) else was just really frustrated because it was the best demonstration you could ask for of the Earth's curvature. Uh And it was four in the morning. Uh Things had broken and flown away and they were dispirited. We were tired. We needed to go back because I had to get to work and Spencer had to get to work.
0: And you guys were able to offer this compelling counter explanation of why the first test didn't end up the way you expected. The second test, did they have a compelling counter explanation, or just the there's a there's a cloud? There was
1: the low lying cloud, and then Nathan was saying, "Well, there's there's no way that that just two feet difference could make that much." of a change on the other side, even in the round earth model. we were saying, well, yeah, yeah. yeah good. There
0: has to be a vanishing point. Yeah.
1: And we were, we were pulling up the earth curvature calculator and putting in these different numbers and saying, mm-hmm. yeah, like that makes like an eight foot difference on the opposite side of what's being obscured. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that could totally account for it. And uh, so there was a lot of incredulity from the others mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. it, special pleading everything they were accusing us of before. Mm-hmm. So um, I agree with you that uh, it's, fully natural for, you know, one to try to uh, work through explanations and you got to give people time to do that. But I thought it was a pretty amazing demonstration. And uh, we all left kind of (laughs) thinking, you know,
0: yeah, well, and when when they stopped to think about it, I bet you didn't jump on them and go with that feeling you're feeling right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we we avoided that. uh, Mm -hmm. Gotcha media moment. uh, Anyhow. So that was the end of the evening. We got a lot of video footage of us doing the, you know, crouch. Oh, lights gone. Oh, lights back. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I didn't get any very clear footage because you can't shoot at night.
0: Yeah, see, again, the night is dark.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, there's It not is enough. always
0: darkest before the night ends.
1: There's not enough photons, and the cameras aren't that great at adjusting mm-hmm. to low light. So I got almost no useful footage from the Nikon P900. It wasn't very helpful for what we were doing in the dark there. Uh, but I got some other footage using the uh, infrared camera that we'd used on our ghost hunting investigation, and I uh, got some on my iPhone as well. So we'll have to share some pictures, some video. It was a fun night. We had a good time. And and it was fun hanging out. And we would have nice normal conversations in between the, the small skirmishes. And it, it's interesting. There always seems to be this kind of wave with troughs and crests when you're hanging out with people of the opposite ilk, in yeah. this case, the flat earthers. So there were a lot of good times. A lot of agreement about things, a lot of fun jokes being shared, and then there was a lot of little, uh, little arguments here and there.
0: I think this is also a good example of how when you're trying to talk to someone with whom you disagree, you've really got a long game at... You know, we've gotten in this, I think, societal moment where... Everyone thinks, I have to be able to tear that down in 140 characters or in a couple seconds in a media bite. Right. And this is also the reply we get to some of our interviews is like, why didn't you basically nail that person's coffin shut? And uh-huh. It's like, well, because that's not how it actually works. Because yeah. the human mind takes a lot longer than that. And if you're actually having a conversation with someone, it's going to be a prolonged process. You're yeah. not yeah. you're not going to be able to nail that coffin closed. And if you think you have, you've probably just convinced yourself and everybody who already agreed with you.
1: Right. The more knockdown drag out your your quick finishing argument is, the less likely it is to actually change anybody's mind. Yep. So it needs to be part of a longer conversation. So th- there are times to do that and to mm-hmm. have those quick, you know, ha ha uh, yeah, moments. Sure. But but overall, yeah, it's it's a longer process and you just have to stay open to the conversation. Yeah. So it's been fun all along the way, and I'm sure it'll crop up again in some form or another. Yeah. We we drove back, well, Jim drove back and I fitfully tried to sleep in his back seat.
0: <laughs> and so Kara and Andrew were back home?
1: Oh yeah. Cara was enjoying our Brooklyn and sheets.
0: Nice. Would you say that Kara and Andrew are your first two loves? Yes. And what would you say is your third love?
1: Um I don't know. I keep thinking of uh, delightful beverages: Martinelli's apple cider.
0: Oh, good or one! Or a good lemonade. Oh yeah! Or
1: a fine root beer.
0: Mm-hmm. Those
1: aren't really my third loves, but that's what came to mind.
0: You know what my third love is: a good bra.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Everybody loves a bra, right? And and this everybody, everybody, and this episode is sponsored in part by Third Love. Hey. Company that makes fine bras Actually, I'm wearing one. Wait, am I wearing one right are now? You? Yeah. Oh, see, here's the strap.
1: There's a Third Love strap. Okay.
0: <laughs> Actually, this is one of the things I really like about Third Love is that there's straps. See how it's got kind of like a xylophone? It's kind of in on the on shade it?
1: there. Is it uh, lavender or purple? It is lavender, yeah. Okay.
0: But see, you see how it's like got that kind of accordion fan oh, yeah, thing yeah. going on? It's so smart because you probably don't know this, Ross. I but don't. bra straps are always falling down if you have curved shoulders like I do. Oh. I always want to come Come down, okay. come off. Oh, yes. So annoying. But this has this sort of natural, you know, elasticity that I don't know why know what thought of it before. It holds on, huh? It holds on there. Brilliant. It's brilliant. And Third Loved used thousands of real women's measurements to design their bras with breast size and shape in mind, Ross.
1: That's wonderful. They didn't send me any evaluation units. <laughs>
0: I don't know why.
1: Third Love just added twenty four new sizes, making them the industry leader with a total of seventy sizes.
0: That's wild.
1: Wow! So they probably have yours.
0: Yes, they did. Or, oh, or oh. yours, to listeners <laughs> you're as <well>. the listeners. <laughs> you, the listeners. Like yeah, Ross, they did. I'm wearing it, boy. This guy, you're pretty dense. <laughs> I don't know. Someone hit
1: you in the head out there at the Salton Sea.
0: And <laughs> this guy get on this show. <laughs> Third Love has the most sizes of any bra brand from Cup A through Cup H. And and bands
1: up to 48.
0: Exactly. Amazing. They're comfortable, they're qualitative, Mm -hmm. they have tagless labels, so it's not all itchy. And those sweet, sweet straps.
1: And they use ultra soft smoothing fabrics.
0: Mm Mm-hmm, that's right. You'd like to touch a nice soft bra, wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, we'll have to get some of these for Cara. (laughs) There you go. Is there like a promo code or something like that?
0: Oh, uh, there is. If you go to thirdlove.com slash oh no, O-H-N-O, now you can find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase for Cara
1: Blotcher oh nice well that's thirdlove.com slash oh no O-H-N-O for 15% off today
0: and everyone should go and buy one for your wife Cara
1: mhm mhm and uh and tell them that Ross and Carrie sent you exactly so hey let's do it let's rate them bras no flat earth
0: oh Oh whoa! Because okay. we still haven't
1: done that. So all cool. right, pseudoscience. Where oh, one is something fuck. very scientific. Okay. Well established. Like uh-huh. let's say that all life on Earth originally came from a few simpler forms uh-huh. that have changed and mutated over time and that there's been a, a selection process uh, that has guided the reproduction like of those. a
2: selection process. Yeah, like a
1: natural selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's call it uh, evolution by natural selection. Okay. That would be a one.
0: That's a one. Whereas got it. 10 is
1: something like if you point a Nikon P900 at the ground and you uh-huh. just zoom in and zoom in farther, it'll, it'll zoom in almost forever. And since since there's no horizon to bring things back over, it will actually reveal that all things are made of goat sperm.
0: <laughs> That's obviously a 10. Yeah, that that is pretty wild. So let's give this a 9.8. That's yeah, generous. Slightly. <laughs> I think it's slightly under the earth is made of goat sperm because I don't, even my eyes don't tell me that. When I look at the horizon, at least it looks flat.
1: I want to get... No, I'm, I'm going for solid 10. Okay. I'm just giving it a 10. Just
0: <laughs> rubbing his face. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you had me there for a second because I was thinking, okay, well, they also do use some principles of science, but I think in a very pseudoscientific oh, way. Oh, yeah. Well, it, that's
0: one of the important parts of pseudoscience like, oh, is we sounding like science. We learn
1: just enough science so yeah. we can try to blind you with it mm-hmm. to talk about Coulomb's law or interferometers or whatever it may be. By the way, someone pointed out, many people have given us lots of great tips on all the various things that we've brought up in these Flat Earth investigations, and uh, it would take many episodes to bring them all up. But one was that the LIGO gravitational wave observatory uh, is an interferometer. It's a giant interferometer, the Mm. latest, greatest, best version of one. And they had to purposefully raise the ground on the extreme ends of this interferometer as they're reflecting photons on either side to counteract the curvature of the Earth.
0: Uh, Ah, there you go.
1: Boom! Uh, Anyways, so, uh, yeah. But who's
0: they, and who are they paid off by?
1: Very interesting. Fair, fair. Yeah, I I would say this is the height of pseudoscience. Yeah, uh, for sure kind of a clear and present threat to our current intellectual discourse.
0: Yeah, it's also so revealing of some of the problems in uh, our education system that like yeah. I think I think a lot of people get through all of childhood and adolescence without really knowing much about science and then once you get older and you kind of get that that excitement about learning again, and now you're trying to cobble it all together from these different sources, and YouTube's just as good to you as a science text. Like,
1: yeah, yeah, and, of course
0: you get this mumbledy gook.
1: And the way science is being reported, I think we see mm-hmm. that a lot in the conspiratorial crowd is they'll point back to their science education, they'll point back to popular media coverage of science, and they'll say, oh, well, science is you know always disagreeing with itself, and they mm-hmm. just can't figure anything out. Right. And, uh, yeah, that that's it's a problem and it points to it and how people just aren't prepared to uh, hear things like this. And, and then they click on the wrong YouTube video and five hours later, they've come to believe that the earth is flat.
0: Yep. Wild. Well, what about creepiness? Where one is something that's just not creepy at
1: all. Mm, okay. um,
0: you go to the optometrist and she puts some, some eye drops in your eyes and looks at them and she says, they look healthy.
1: This is creepiness? Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's a little uncomfortable, but it's not creepy. Yeah, not creepy.
0: And then 10 is something super creepy. You go to the optometrist, and she says, you have your father's eyes. And you say, pardon me? And she says-
1: (laughs) Who are you, lady?
0: (laughs) She says, I've known your father for 41 years.
1: That's very specific.
0: And you're like, what? And she says, you literally have his eyes. And then she pulls out a little wooden box and opens them up. And inside are your father's personal eyes.
1: Uh, Really? Then she has my father's eyes. Yeah, no, it's true. That's super creepy. I thought you were going to say, you know, while I was getting the drop, she knocked me out and she replaced my eyes with my father's. And now my eyes are in the box.
0: Also creepy. That is
1: creepy. Okay. I'm going to give this a mm, two- I, well, mm. I I feel mm-hmm. like maybe there's a little undercurrent of creepiness. Just imagining this world, uh, you know what? Yeah, the world they picture with mm-hmm. all these people lying mm-hmm. to us, yeah, and this you're right. Conspiracy, and it's like religion, and it's the government, and who knows who created this and then handed over the keys to this display or whatever the dome is or whatever it is up there to these evil people in NASA who are deceivers. That's all creepy. I'm gonna say five.
0: <laughs> was it Jaron who said that if you go up in a plane and you think you see the curve, that's an implanted memory? Someone at the Flat Earth Conference. I don't
1: think it was him. But I remember someone said that. That's,
0: yeah. wow, the height of creepy. Oh, but, and this
1: whole Mandela effect thing? Yeah. Which is totally unrelated to the Earth curvature.
0: Yeah, you know, this is interesting. This is one of those movements that kind of has its creepier factions and its less creepy factions. Mm-hmm. And I think the more metaphysical and conspiratorial it gets, the creepier. Whereas there's sort of just the fringe science crowd who are like, I don't know, it just kind of looks flat, you know, and that's less creepy to me.
1: I'd say Jaron's version is the least creepy or the less creepy.
0: Yeah, if he's not the one who said that memory thing, but I can't recall. Anyway, yeah, so I think I'd land in the middle with you just averaging them out. But I do think you can get up to like an eight when you're talking about screen memories and
1: yeah,
0: the government giving you like amnesia medicine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What about on a pocket drainer value, or one is something not at all pocket draining? Like, uh, you're visiting a friend, and they say, would you like some water? And you're like, oh, sure. And they pour (laughs) some water for you, and you drink it. Mm -hmm. Whereas 10 is you're out in the middle of the desert, Mm -hmm. you're really thirsty, you should have brought more water, you're Mm -hmm. out of it now. But thankfully, you come up to an oasis that isn't a mirage.
0: Okay.
2: The
1: last three were. You're really thirsty. and. And there's someone there, and they say, yes, we have water, but it's going to cost you. We want $2,000 for this cup oh, of water. Oh, shit.
0: That's how much Ella's spay was in the middle of the night.
1: Oh, no. I know. Oh. She was
0: dying. Oh. She had an infected uterus. <sighs> She's all right, everybody. She was like one at the time.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Okay. That's very expensive. It is kind of surprisingly expensive. Is if it? You, well, if you want to actually test your theory.
1: Oh, yeah. Because
0: these cameras and lasers and shit are pricey.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, um, and that was the whole idea of the IIG test, was to do something very approachable and easy that anyone could cobble together, minus the helium, which is like 500 bucks to rent th- mm. those tanks. But y- you're right. any Anything that can get you high enough or mm-hmm. measure far enough— is going to be kind of pricey.
0: And if you want to actually see the Earth from a distance and go out in space, that's going to be very expensive.
1: All of these things, it could be solved. Like if we could just send someone up in a, in a spacecraft, if we could just line not them up.
0: Not if those are implanted memories, uh, Ross.
1: There's an answer for everything. Yeah, I mean, I just, <laughs> I can't tell you how often I just fantasize. Like, oh, I just I want know. to send them all up in, in a spaceship. I, I just know. want to get them on the ISS. But that's not an efficient use of, of resources.
0: Also, as soon as any of those flat earthers turned, the rest of the flat earthers would be like, that was a shill the whole time. They were pretending. I mean, if they'll say that about Mark Sargent, who still believes the earth is flat.
1: I think about that, too. You'd have to send them up one at a time, and Uh, every single one would then suddenly be a liar and a shill. Right. Oh, they paid them off.
0: Right. But yeah, in the end, this isn't that expensive, and everybody can pool together to get their P90X camera so
3: uh four
1: okay yeah i didn't think about it really being pocket draining and watching all the youtube videos that's all free there's tons of Mm -hmm. material out there you could fill your head with flat earth all day and just pay for wi-fi seven days a week 24 hours a day yeah so uh i'm gonna say i'll say 1.5 that's fair someone on
0: twitter said something very funny they said that the motto of the Ono podcast interview is
3: that's fair
1: I like it. Yeah, well, that's good. You know, and I like that in our interview with Jaron that both of us were able to admit from time to time. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah, you're Uh right. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, Right. And and he was he was doing that too, and I uh, appreciated that.
0: Yeah. What about danger rating, Ross? Where ten is something very, very, very dangerous. Oh goodness. You know about Mission Space at Epcot. Yes. It's that one that one ride that people keep having heart attacks on and stuff.
1: Oh, goodness. Yeah. Okay.
0: They warn you a million times before you get on it. So if you have a heart thing, don't get on it. Ten is something very dangerous like getting on Mission Space on the Orange Line when you have a very serious heart condition. Don't do that. Don't do it. And then one is something not at all dangerous like going to Carrie's house and watching Thrive.
1: I've done that, and it was safe. Mm -hmm. Flat Earth belief won't do you any physical harm, and that should be a problem, because if they have spent all this money to silence critics and Mm. sell this lie for all these years, you think they would put a little bit of effort into roughing up these Flat Earthers, Mm -hmm. taking down their YouTube videos, at least? Mm -hmm. I think that's a major argument against all of this. But that doesn't happen. Yeah, I I don't see any violent or dangerous aspect to any of this. But that's only in terms of physicality, in terms of understanding the world and navigating it and working toward a better future. I think it's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put it slightly south of vaccine denialism, anti-vaxxers. I can't remember exactly what I gave them on a danger rating. It was high. I'm going to say... I'm gonna say seven on a danger rating.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, pretty high. Yeah, it's weird because it's like it's not directly harmful. Like let's be real, but that's like to the immediate believer.
1: Mm-hmm. But I, it's tied to so many yeah ideas that are really toxic.
0: And I think it was Hannah Arendt, but it was one of the like fascism historians said the first and most important step of. Heading toward fascism isn't violence. It's a dissociation from what is truth. Mm -hmm. And just like no longer... And starting to think of truth in this like oh, everybody has a side sort of way where mm-hmm. you're not thinking like, oh, wait, there is a truth, though, about how the universe works and w- or what actually happened. Uh, I, that there uh, is yeah, an objective I, reality. I agree. So,
1: and the ignorance of that has, I think, led to Trump and a lot yes. of other really gross and unhealthy things yeah. in society.
0: And pff, I see it on my side of the aisle, too, this just sort of like, Whatever will help my cause in this moment, I am willing to say, and that's not good. And everyone's been guilty of it. I'm sure I've been guilty
1: of it. Yeah, we all have to guard ourselves against. So
0: that, I think, is really dangerous. Uh, More dangerous than I would have expected. So that I'd give, yeah, an eight or a nine. But it is sort of a a slippery slope concern instead of a direct concern.
1: It's It's a gateway Gateway. Gateway dumb.
0: By the way, The Gateway is a great podcast. You should all listen to it. Yeah, The Gateway. We both listened to it in its totality. It's about uh, Teal, Teal Swan. Swan, podcast by Gizmodo. Whew, really good. Yeah. Everyone go listen to it.
1: I want to join her cult.
0: Yeah, I know. Me too. Me too.
1: Okay, well, that's it for our show. Thanks. Oh,
0: wait, Ross.
1: Hello, Carrie.
0: <laughs> Do you have a favorite moment? Oh, wow. From our entire Flat Earth it- overlap? Of-
1: All flat earth. Oh, my goodness. There were so many good moments. I know what
0: mine is. Can I tell you mine? Yeah, do it. Mine is definitely when after Jaron told us to think about that moment of pause (laughs) and then I used it against him like 45 minutes later and it made you laugh so hard you had to push your microphone away. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. That was a great moment for me, too. Yeah, I'm thinking it had to be somewhere between hearing the Mandela effect explained to me so preposterously. By Sydney, mm-hmm. and that moment at the pizza shop in our original Flat Earth reporting where that guy was trying to move the dollar bill with his mind.
0: Oh, right. Just right. blowing on it. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. Good really time. You know what?
1: Oh, geez. I'm going to say at least the, the best. Shoot. I keep thinking of favorite moments. Okay.
0: You loved this investigation. I'm sorry.
1: Okay. <laughs> there was standing on the beach with all of them at Santa Monica watching the disc of the sun get bisected by the horizon as it dips down and all of them telling me it's just getting farther away and to just believe what my eyes tell me. (laughs) Are you seeing what I'm seeing? And of course, us doing squats out at yeah, the Salton that, Sea.
0: That I really want to see from the other side. of view. like you know, like looking at you guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: That was a glorious moment. That
0: sounds really good. Um, by the way, also side note, you and I went and saw Let's Make a Deal taped, and we wore owl costumes. Oh. And it's going to be episode one oh oh six five. So if everyone wants to go, yeah,
1: we'll we'll warn you to... when it's on the to air schedule. because yeah. I don't think they've. Uh, it
0: isn't. I looked told recently us
1: when it's coming yet. Yeah. yeah. Yes, we are in the background wearing owl costumes. We didn't get called up as contestants, but we're there. We dance a lot. Well, I guess they didn't film the dancing part so much.
0: Some of it, I think. Okay. In between,
1: we're we're active audience participants.
0: It was very hot that day. Oh, we were wearing wearing very owl costumes. (laughs) Like a couple. This was
1: Carrie's idea.
0: (laughs) Ros agreed to do it. (laughs) it's true uh yeah so next week we'll be back with more out of body experience classes thanks for hanging with us while we broke and did this little uh, side story
1: well that's it for our show our theme music is by brian keith dalton
0: our administrative manager is ian kramer
1: you can find us on itunes or your podcast catcher or service of choice
0: that's probably how you're listening now
1: leave us a positive review there that's a great way to help us out and support what we do because that helps other people find us and then they're like oh well people like this show i should listen to the show
0: exactly that's how reviews are you can also follow us on twitter at ono podcast
1: that's absolutely true and on facebook.com slash onrack o-n-r-a-c You'll find pictures. We'll post pictures from this investigation and the previous and Sea one as well. Uh, you can like us. You can see all kinds of things we share.
0: One of my favorite things is the email that we get once every like three weeks of someone who's like, I just realized ONRAC stands for Ono, Ross, and Carrie. That's always fun.
1: Got to have those moments in life.
0: You can also support this and all our investigations by going to maximumfund.org forward slash donate and picking us as a show that you love.
1: Yes, thank you. And you you are the best, all of you donors out there. Oh, and your pins are coming. Oh, yeah, the pins are coming. The pins are coming.
0: Yes, I just got my pins. Uh, Sorry it took a while, but it was because it all went to a good cause and that added another layer of complexity, but they're on their way.
1: And don't worry, we've got lots of other fun stuff that we've promised from our pledge drive yes. coming your way. So Yes,
0: we do. Hold tight. Yeah, hold on to your bladders because we all know what's going to have to happen soon.
1: Mm. And remember, from the YouTube channel of Stephen Chess. You see the moon, kind of what you think you're looking at. Is it a solid object? Or well, it's, object a, it's or? an intangible object. You know, that's what it is. Okay. It's like just a light phenomenon? I'm t- saying for me, it's impossible for me to verify. Oh, and I go see. There and- the question itself is insoluble. <laughs>
3: You probably know that Max Fun podcasters are funny in the talking way, but did you know they also are funny in the writing way? We are very excited to announce that John Hodgman and Paula Poundstone wrote books that have been named as semifinalists for the 2018 Thurber Prize for American Humor. John Hodgman, celebrated fake internet court presider, is the host of Judge John Hodgman and was recognized for his book Vacation Land. Paula Poundstone's book is called The Totally Unscientific Study of the Search for Human Happiness, and you can hear her expound on happiness and many other topics on her new podcast, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. The Thurber Prize is one of the highest awards for humor writing in the United States, and we are proud to have both these authors on Maximum Fun every week. Paula Poundstone and John Hodgman, congratulations.